You're listening to Vinyl Tap, Inside the Music Industry with Michael Parisi. Hi, my name is Michael Parisi. I've been a part of the music industry for over 30 years. I've worked in all facets of the business, from promotions, marketing, A&R and artist development. I've also worked for and with major record labels. I've run my own labels and my own music publishing company, and I'm still an artist manager today. So take a seat in the room with me as I talk with some of the biggest movers, shakers and visionaries of the music industry. There'll be lots of stories, insights and intel that you won't hear anywhere else. So sit back, relax and welcome to Vinyl Tap. It started off as a graphic design studio doing artwork for Melbourne nightclubs before it gradually evolved into a brand that has helped shape the dance music industry in this country. Frank Catella and Aunt Celestino have been at the helm of One Love since its inception some 25 years ago. One Love started off as a weekly dance night at the Prince of Wales in Melbourne and then it grew and it grew and then it grew some more. From a young Calvin Harris to Flume, One Love became the breeding ground for many of the big dance artists of today. It then morphed into a very successful record label, primarily releasing the best dance music compilations ever released in this country, before being very instrumental in the creation and success of one of the biggest dance festivals in the world, Stereo Sonic. Stereo Sonic was eventually sold off, but One Love remains. In 2023, they had one of the biggest independent global dance hits, with Shouse's Love Tonight clocking well over 1 billion streams. So the question now is, where is dance music going in Australia? And then, what would Frank and Ant do? So sit back, relax, because this is two hours of the most fun I've ever had on Vinyl Tap. But anyway, so fast forward, now you've got One Love kind of... Back so to it, back to its original in, intentions. So right? basically, as, as independent when we sold label. the company, we lost our minds. We we lost our minds. <laughs> we just went crazy. We lost our minds. So Frank's got all this hooker cash. parties all over <laughs> Melbourne. Like it was just going crazy everywhere, right? So anyway, five year non compete. Five year non compete after we sold the company. You couldn't do another festival for five, five years. years. Is that all of you? Yeah, but don't forget, then they went bankrupt. So the others, it didn't apply to them. But to us, to me and Richie, it applied. So I couldn't do it. So the only thing I was, you know, I was going to sit, you know, I had to make some decisions at the Mm. time because I was like, I can't do this. I can't, you know, like I'll I'll get back into the recording side of things. And when I got it back into the recording side of things, it was evident to me that we just weren't... Um, licensing was dumb. Like, yeah, it, I think at the time you came and did yeah, a review, and we, and we streamlined, we streamlined the operations we, somewhat. We, like, we, we got rid of Sydney. Yeah, no, hold on. We, so, so what had happened was at the same time the Stereosonic was going on, we were a licensing record label yes. for the most part, right? Yeah. We would bring in a lot of content and we would work those records locally. At some point, I remember it was like Matt Nugent that worked with us, and mm. he was running the record label. He he came to me and he was like, "Ant, you're doing A and R for the for the festival." Come and do A and R for the label, and I was kind of like, oh yeah, I guess it's the same thing. It like, is the same you know, thing, you, you know, you're meeting, you're finding all these artists, yeah. and you're bringing them out. Yeah. So I was like, I'll give it a go. And then the first artist I signed was like Will Sparks. 
<laughs> right? right? So, you know, and then like the second guy I signed was like Dom Dollar. Like we, so it was basically all the things that we were doing, we were just, you know, in festivals, we were applying to this and starting to, to set, we were actually not licensing. We were having our own we record. Signing. We were, were signing, signing our own artists for the world. And so that was the future for us. But like, as Frank said, you know, you do lose your mind a bit because you've come out of this big thing. You're cashed up. Yeah. We had an office in Sydney. We had an office in Melbourne. We yeah. were so bloated with staff. I remember that. We you know, just we, to do our Christmas party was like fucking, like how many people flying? I remember that. And you, you, you know, end up streamlining it. We stre- We said at some point it wasn't Look, you got to understand through. at the time also, to me, I didn't understand. I, I wish I had the knowledge then that yeah. I have now. About running a label, you mean? About running a label. Yeah. Or everything that... Mm. Running well, it was a, a, it was a back, side business to the it, festival. It was a side business to the label. And it was actually like we were running a school project. Yeah, it was really... Like, no one knew. It was all about theories and this and that. Like, we no knew one talent. Actually, we knew yeah, talent. Yeah, we, we knew, knew how talent, to find talent. We didn't know how to really we run a label. we didn't know how to... You know, our biggest thing was, oh, we got a number one on the club chart, you know? Mm. And I knew that that... That was over. It's not sustainable. We had a number one album with Shock One. And I was like, oh, this is cool. But we didn't know how to like go further than that, right? Like we didn't know how to really make an impact. Again, but that was a critical moment because if we had if we had seen the light when we had that Shock One record and number one and saw that's the way, what we should be doing. That's our ambition for that, this, yeah. We would have changed. It would have saved us 15 years of our lives, yeah, of right? But, yeah. you know, like we, we... We were real outsiders to the... And we yes. still are in a lot of ways. Oh, I mean, you, you can get to that later. But, like, we were complete novice. Like, again, I, I didn't even know what A&R was. I yeah. knew I was doing it in yeah. some way. But it was like, I didn't realise that, like, I'd run my own little record label. But that's different. So, you know, when we were doing this, there was no clear direction for us. And other labels were really able to capitalise on, on we were basically nurturing a lot of local talent and they were able to come in and grab them, you know, yeah. which because they had the nous to do the music business stuff, right? And the checkbook. And, well, yeah, I mean, we just we were just running around in circles, not mm. having a direction. Mm. We were really in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't really until we closed Sydney down, um, we bought it, we, we scaled the staff right back and we we're just like, let's just get back into doing... Focus on what you're good at, focus, which essentially is artist development. Which is developed, right? exactly. Yeah. So that's what we were like, we're going to just sign actors. So then the next, the next critical point was when Rick Butterworth approached us about changing distributors. Which is in-groups. In-group, to, in go, groups, yeah. to go to in-groups. Uh, look... The original distributors that we were are absolutely brilliant. We love them. Everything was great. But we were just making money with them. Like we weren't learning anything. And the change to InGroove unsettled our company because there was the transition nearly killed us. But that was a waking up period. And when you say nearly killed you, what do you mean? Financially or... or- well, t- everything. Because was it because you hadn't quite grasped the concept of streaming and how? You no, could- the transition. We didn't. No, because we were a licensing company right. originally, 
And so and we had because, 7,000 masters. Because we had all these masters, metadata was a mess. And your margins And when are, you change distributors... And your margins and are tro- Totally. And so, you know, we were come from... When we were a licensing business that was focusing on Australia, having a local distributor with Zelon was awesome. Yep. They were great and we got great results with them. But then we were like, we want to become international now. Like, we, you know, I would go to ADE or Miami or wherever it was and you'd have licensing conversations. You'd try and bring records into Australia. And occasionally you'd get a record out to Sweden or to somewhere else or France or Italy. You'd license out. But the tide was turning with the whole digital streaming world things, suddenly a release could be global and you had to start to figure out where you fit globally. Now, a lot of labels have offices everywhere and they started to develop putting offices everywhere. We were still focusing on developing artists and at a creative level, right? More so than how do we actually... um, develop ourselves as an entity into like working out other territories. So it was a little bit like a lot of times this stuff is chicken or the egg. It wasn't until later in the piece that the developing artists started to actually have dividends for us mm. because we were Part making impact. I felt was, oh, probably, a, yeah. was yeah. the, the start of the change for us. Yeah. When we released yeah. that, uh, when Ant signed um, the Korean girl, um, Parky Jin and, and that was a, re- a release on a sub sub label. Yeah, that bar, was pretty Which wild. was like a just a specialist. Because there was so much. Um, uh, it was good. It was fanfare around that release, wasn't there? Well, and there was so much hype around. There it. was a lot of hype, and a lot of that Globally. was. But a lot of that was me driving course, that, like working twenty four hours. I put a team together internationally. I remember that we we put bookings in like you know a dozen countries, all the best events, and the thing about it was suddenly there's all this hype and so out of the woodwork comes all the majors, all of the indies and all the cool indies and all the big indies. So suddenly I'm getting hit up by like the Ninja Tunes, the Beggars Group guys, Transgressive, Secretly Canadian, like Black Butter, anyone, because music, anyone you can think of and they're all saying the same thing to me, which is kind of like, you know, we'll take it from here, you know? Mm. And and that was a turning point for me and for Frank as well because we were kind of like, why should I develop artists to hand over to, hand over yeah. to you because you've come in with your like cachet of cool yeah. and people are going to just sign to you because you're the cool label. And I realized at that point, there was no difference between the difference between the majors and the indies was like the deals look the same, a zero, but they just, one guy wore a leather jacket and yeah, one right. guy wore a suit jacket, yeah, right. you know? Yeah. So that was the only difference. And so I kind of That's like, interesting, that point. so I kind of like, we, we just, we did again, we were just outside. We still are outsiders. We don't yeah. even think of ourselves like we're this, you know, strong independent well, you're, label. You're taking a more international viewpoint as to your, sure. as to your signings and to the approach. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're, you're developing not for Australia, you're, mm. you're developing for a world stage, right? Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. With some of your signings, particularly yep. with the success of Shouse. I mean, totally. I, I know that you built teams around that release yeah around, yeah around the around that artist yeah yeah we hired like a hundred people around the world to which work is, on that is, once it started crazy. to take off but that was also like that's also a record that had been around for several years that i'd gone around the world trying mm. to find partners for and been thrown out of countless offices yeah, right. so you know once you kind of like it came and again like we were you, you're taught as an indie that it's like you build something up and then you license it if it goes really yeah. well like it's like wow happy days but it was like when we got to the position where we were able to go, fuck that. We're going to hang on to this, We're right? going yeah. to build our future out of the artists that we're developing, yeah. their futures and our futures. Things started to turn around for us as well. You know, you had, um, 
you know, and that's uh, so we started a management division in yep. like 2017. Uh, in t- 2016, I think it was, we started a management division because that was a passion of mine. Oh, I wanted to move into that world as well. Um, and, and the company does look after Lude. Yeah, great. so yeah. we brought in Gabe Bravo. Gabe, who, like, so we'd signed Lude, but it was kind of like, I just really enjoyed working with the manager. So basically at some point it was like, hey, Gabe, come and work with we us. Should, we should work together. Let's yeah. work together on this. Yeah. And it was kind of like, and the way we worked with the management side of things was like, listen, you don't have to release stuff through One Love. Hmm. You release it however you want to release it. But we're going to um, develop you as a manager. Yeah, which is right? great. Which, which is, is what a, it's all about. Yeah, yeah, which is what it's about. So, you know, Lude's great. Lude, you know, is now through Warners around the world yeah, and all yeah, different sort of yeah. stuff. But it's really interesting is through that experience of working with Gabe, with Lude, we've seen how the majors are doing global releases. We've seen how we're doing our own global releases. We've looked behind the curtain and we're hungry for it. But not just that, we're not scared of it. You know, like, and I think, I think a lot of indies kind of go, there's the easy way out. There's like, you have your little pond that you work in. And then if something goes well, great, you know, um, we're still working it out. We're still trying to work out how we scale what we do. Like there's sometimes a temptation that you, you may have to, at some point partner with a major to, you know, to take it to the next level, or do you still feel comfortable and safe in the knowledge. That's going to that, depend that, on... Um, on the success of your artist, right? No, that's going to depend on how distribute, the distribution model works yeah. moving forward. Or how it evolves, yeah. So yeah. there's a few issues here. Um, look, you know, we're, a, we're an electronic dance label and I suppose this, this also applies to, uh, you know, other genres in Australia. But one of the problems is that Spotify, for some unknown reason, it might be a fear in our head or whatever, they, Australian releases are just put into the Australian territory bucket. I can't have an electronic dance label which, you know, my product is in Spain, Italy, Germany, mm. coming out of Australia. There's nothing here, you know. There's, I'm sorry, I mean, Australian we, we music to, industry, but yeah. you're not big enough for what we've what we've been, even what we were doing in the past, yeah, sure. Before shows came along and stuff, sure. you know, like you, you can't have an international, you, you can't have international product which comes out of Australia. It's very difficult. Very difficult. Like you, you, you go back a year ago, and you look at the global charts for the world. It was, it was Kid Leroy, Shouts, Tones, and I. And someone maybe else, maybe Tame Impala. Tame Impala, or maybe Mars Wolf was in there for a bit for one song, you know. Yeah, yeah and so... we were in there for ages, and it was like. But then there's free, Lude, you know. There was free people in those global charts, right? That were high up. We've had Lude that's had like three or four UK top forties. We've had Mark Santa who's had a UK top forty. Tom Santa. Uh, Tom Santa. Um, you know, like um, we've had. You know, we've had success, but it's been really hard. What does One Love stand for now, the, today, 2023? What do you, how would you describe One Love to someone who's never, ever heard of it? Well, we definitely stand for artist development. We stand for the line in the sand when it comes to culture, right? Like One Love is all about the dance music culture, electronic music culture. I think like in a world now where it's like TikTok, TikTok techno, you know, like mm. 15 second bite-sized things, that's not healthy. 
You're not going to get kids into clubs to stay there through a whole night when they've been brought up on bite-sized music, yeah. right? So, like, the way we look at it, because we cross over from events to touring to management to releases, it's really holistic across the whole thing. We want to bring people through an ecosystem and, and publishing as well. You know, we want to bring all these things across that d require someone to guide you, to support you, not... not um, not foster or nurse you, you know, like people are more independent. We give people the independence themselves to do that stuff. But we want to be um, the voice for someone that like should give a shit about like what is kind of like, and it's not in an underground way as, at all. Like I feel like the underground is completely toxic in so many ways. Mm. We just like finding people that are doing something that's interesting. How can we sort of like, support that that's the main thing i think we stand for sure. and, and if we support them and support their careers we all do well that's yeah, right us do well their we managers do, do well yeah. you know like the artists themselves grow like this is what we try this is what i i bash my head against the wall with why i tried to keep um why i tried to keep shelves so so much independent because in the end they they did better they did better, yeah. Than what would have happened if, if they were a major. major. Yeah. Well, I remember at one point when having those li licensing discussions, and like I would start asking the question, "What about the what about the act? What's the A and R opportunity here?" And they were like, "Don't see it. Not interested. We need this for our market share." And and so for us, it was kind of like, "Yeah, well, development is what we do. We don't just throw people to the wolves like the minute mm. there's." Like, so I think like the DNA, look, there's still that element, you know, we tour acts when they're developing. Yeah. We give them a way to develop through, through um, the touring route, you know, whether it was bringing you through a club run, whether it was bringing you into a festival. It's the same thing now. I mean, like, listen, if we could have our go again, man, if we had an agency back when One Love Club was running, if we were doing management when One Love Club oh, was running, fuck be, me. Yeah, because like all the people, the names, you know, like what's so not, Flume. Uh, Yolanda be cool, Dirty South. Like there was, oh, I could go Real, on. Yeah, I could go. Much. I could go on and on and on and on for different artists that came. Through Even the with the label side of things, if we if we had, you know, more progressive people that worked for us in the early days that understood the independent mm. uh, routing and how independence worked, I feel that we would have it would have been a lot. You know? Yeah, I mean, look, there's still things about our core DNA of when we started One Love. One Love's a pirate ship. Mm. We don't sit in the music industry. We no. really don't. Like, I kind of don't care saying well, that. Well, 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 you do. You just don't fit <laughs> in the major scheme of things. You know? Yeah, you, I mean... You kind of like, as, as all good independents are, you're, you're kind of like the pimple on the ass of the music industry. Yeah. You know, and, We're the sort of like and, stepchild. And, and, you, and, you've you know? got, and it's there, and, it, and it's not going to go away in a hurry. Sure, um, but in a positive way too, because I think majors still look for independence, for inspiration, and for AR. Mm. Yeah, to this day. I, I do. And I, I think like the I I see a lot of independents that go corporate, yeah. and they're kind of like that's the way that they have to scale. Yeah, and well, that's, that's why I was asking that question. Yeah, earlier. I think you know, yeah, what? no, there, I, I get it. There's definitely yeah. that sense of it. I mean, we need to figure shit out for ourselves mm. to be sustainable, but we do so many things. Yep. So our ecosystem is kind of cool, you know, to a degree. But the, 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 the idea of doing stuff that's fun to us is like always been in our, like, that's rule number one. Of course. It has to be it fun to, to us. Fun. It has to turn us on. We have to like, 
you know, whether it succeeds or fails, which I think is like in the music industry, so brutal where you're only as good as your last win. Yeah. Whereas for us, if we come out of something and we've got a great story, it's almost like that's sometimes even just more of a kicker than the things where it's just people talking about the successes, mm. you know? We don't have like a million number ones. Like we don't have like a million gold sure. platinum records, all that sort of stuff. We've never had the support of like local, uh, like, you know, Triple J or whatever. Sure. The thing, the pathways that you need, you know, we to, to sort of have success in this country, we've kind of had to forge our own legacy like, in a, in a your, way, in our own trace, pathways. Trace your own luck too. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, so so going forward, if I had to describe something, it's not one sentence, yeah. but it's kind of like definitely cultural related, you know, like we yeah. definitely have to keep um, our, we try to keep a foot firmly in culture. Who are the new people that are going to be the yeah. next generation? I got that same kind of, similar kind of answer from Johan at IOU. Yeah, right. Because for him, you know, even though IOU is, is you know, at the core of IOU is, is music, but mm. he... Um, the attitude yeah. oh, the attitude and, and the ethos is all about culture yeah and, and changing culture or, or trying to make an impact on culture in this country yeah so Coachella is a, a festival we've all been to love it. And we love it yeah now you two are both given the keys to the kingdom you're in charge of programming it mm-hmm. your headliners and, and separate answers your headliners Friday, Saturday, Sunday and maybe the one act underneath them Friday, Saturday, Sunday next year Based on not just favorite artists, but artists that you think are going to be able to headline that stage. Oof, oof, yeah, <laughs> that's a tough one. It's a tough one. No, nah, I'll tell you what. Go on. I'm going straight in. Go, go, Frank. I'm going Madonna. Yep, on the Friday night, Madonna. Madonna, maybe Saturday night. Yep. You know. She's a big artist at the moment, touring the world. It makes sense to have her on a build like that. Yep. Um, the other one that I was thinking about was... I just just picture Frank on, on his cheat sheets on his phone right now. Here we go. Is it, you found it? Here you need go. to have some legacy act. Yeah, you do. Well, Madonna's legacy, isn't she? Yeah, but she's current at the moment. Okay, she's out. Okay, I might actually go... What about if I just go legacy all the way? I'm up to you. Okay, Mariah Carey. You have Mariah Carey at Coachella. Why not? Okay. What night? Open Sunday night. The Sunday night. Yeah. yeah. Finish off with Mariah. Yeah. Yeah. Madonna, Madonna sandwich in the middle. And who's opening on the Friday night? Rihanna. So Rihanna, Madonna, and, yeah. and, and Mariah Carey. Yeah. And who underneath underneath them? Um, on each night? Or do you want to leave it at that? I'm no, gonna... I'm going to say underneath them as second bill. Yeah. Oh, look, you know, you'd have to go with people like Fred again. Fred again? Yeah. Before Madonna? Before Madonna would be perfect, actually. Yeah. yeah. Fred again. Who, who's going who's gonna to be before Mariah Carey? Mariah you're Carey. Gonna, you're going to go complete legacy on us. Drake. Oh, yeah. Drake into Mariah. Yeah. You reckon Drake... I don't think Drake will stomach that. You reckon? I don't think... I reckon he will. You reckon? Is yeah. Mar- is Mariah that much of a queen? Yeah. Well, think- so how much of a queen is Drake? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> That's the real question. Look, and then, I... I, and, then I, you I, went, I uh, and who's on the first night yeah, again? First night you've got um, Rihanna. Rihanna. Wouldn't Drake be better with Rihanna? No. Okay, <laughs> we'll go Drake. All right, uh, Okay. For me... I would have, I would have to have like 
Eminem and Dr. Dre. Oh, yeah. Like one night, I'd have to have that. You've got to kick it off with that, I reckon, on a Friday night. You have to. That would have to be maybe the Friday night. Yeah. 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 Something, or, or even the Saturday night, right? Because, like, people are there. It's a big weed smoking crowd at oh, Coachella. Yeah. It is. It's, it's California. To have, like, Dre would be enough. But to have him and Eminem would be epic. so Eminem headlining obviously Eminem and Dre like to you know together up, if they did Up in Smoke oh, yeah. right basically yeah. the Up in Smoke tour where you got like Ice Cube you know oh, all yeah. these guys as a as a you know a show yeah yeah that that, that would be that would Saturday be. night that's what I would do um, the other nights I would do something look you know. Um, Frank's gonna hate this, but I always like the big name, like a Radiohead or something like that. On the on the last night, yeah. yeah. Uh, Boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I do. I, I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't do them specifically on the last night. I probably do. But you have them on the bill. I've had them on the bill probably on Saturday night before, like Eminem. Yeah. Right. All right. Okay. That would be an entertaining early evening. It would be for me, interesting. That's you know, for sure. I think for for people because you need a bit of like. Yeah, up and down. Yeah. That's the Molly Water night, isn't it? Yeah, the well, I mean, every, every night. night is, every really. night is, <laughs> Every night kind of is. Um, and then I think I would have, uh, personally, on the Friday night, I'd probably have headlining some, this is real legacy shit, but I'd probably have like ACDC. Oh, yeah. That makes okay? sense. I think I would do that. Frank, Frank's still shaking his head. I'd put Dolly Parton on. <laughs> yeah, oh God. This yeah. is the this is yeah. the the contrast, you know. Yeah, it is the this contrast. is the contrast. Like well, Frank thinks like a promoter, you know. Yeah. So he's like, "Oh, Fred again sells tickets. Put him on, yeah. right?" Yeah. Whereas I kind of like think about, okay, the what what is the what is the thing that everyone's going to come back from and they're going to talk about mm. at all ages, yeah. and they're going to kind of get it, yeah. you know. Yeah. So with Coachella why would you want to make it just for like 18 year old kids yeah you can make you know you don't you don't need to like people come from well the people spending the money on the big tickets yeah. they're like people so in their the, 40s the legacy you know so well I think ACDC Even though Eminem and Eminem are probably, is probably that I think that there's real value in having someone like Frank Ocean if they if they do a show which is accessible if he turns up yeah, yeah, like if, if, if someone like that to do a show, I think that that stuff is like really interesting. Underneath um, underneath like that, I do like still those big production dance things like Chemical Brothers. I think that they're great, you know, like they offer a lot because it's yeah. a really entertaining underworld. show. Underworld. Yeah, yeah. The I don't underworld. know, Underworld, maybe Underworld, but I think Chemicals have got enough like songs as well and i think you know if we're talking uh if we really had to talk line up three days what i would do with it you would have acdc headline first night you would have eminem and dr dre the second night night. and sunday night you close it with daft punk oh yeah of course that's why you would have to do it right and then on the friday night i'd put something like chemical brothers into acdc which is real different real different then i would do something like saturday night like a radiohead into into uh, Dr. Dre and Eminem and then the last night I would do Daft Punk preceded by um, Jesus Christ I'm just trying to think of like someone that would make sense in a modern era or, to or, do it. or maybe not sense you know? yeah I mean I know this is th- actually you know I know what I would do this is what I would just do for a personal thing 
makes no sense, but I think it'd be fucking awesome. Porter's head. Oh yeah. That well that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense to I me. am I mean that sounds like I'm now lineup, falling really. asleep. Just, <laughs> even just thinking about that. All right, let's move on to the next it's one. It's a festival, it's a it, three day it, festival. It's fun though. That sounds like a fun a fun night actually. Okay, so what's one act that you wish you could have signed? And it could be a domestic act or an international act. I don't care what era that act comes from, but what is one act you you in your weirdest pipe dreams wish you had? Elvis. Okay. And why? Elvis be- Presley. Because he did the work. <laughs> he just was a guy. Just couldn't leave the country. He's <laughs> a guy that would just do the work and he could, he obviously could just work with management. Yeah, we had no choice. <laughs> really? <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to be the manager in that situation? <laughs> Did, didn't you say like, oh, sorry, I thought you were... Sorry, label. Oh, sorry. No, no, for... no, no, no. Which actor would you want to work with? Elvis. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Yeah, I mean... But you, would you have signed him as with a 50% management fee attached to him? Of course you would. <laughs> oh, mate. Of 60. course. Uh, the, the Svengali in me <laughs> would, <laughs> would want to... The Svengali. The Svengali. You know, you don't want an act that's like too, too like crazy in their own, like you, the Beatles, like everyone's going to say the Beatles, right? Mm. But like, how do you, what are you adding to the Beatles? Yeah, I know. That's not, you know, not that there. history hasn't already, what, you can only fuck that up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? Like, and Elvis was just like, he was. Just, totally. So Elvis was just like an iconoclast. And I think like. Absolutely. You know, that that's an artist that like wanted it. He what just about, wanted it. What about you, Frank? I suppose the work ethos thing is the most important thing. Work to... ethic is everything. Yeah. So which artist so would you... So I'm going to go with Dolly Parton again. You love Dolly. What's with the Dolly fascination? Because I think she's a genius. Yeah, she yeah, is. Yeah, she is. And she's yeah. been around for quite a while. Man, I watched this documentary on her and at a young age when she was a teen, she understood about rights. Mm. Like how many kids oh, that yeah, are she, under she, fifteen she knows her stuff, yeah. know about rights? How many songs is she? That's, that's, hundreds that's of that's songs. That's the Nashville in her, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. understands that the value of the words that you've written. Yeah. No. She's written some of the biggest songs of all time. Yeah. I mean, like, if I could have my go again, it would be working with songwriters, mm. like directly from the classic that. songwriters. Well, just like working at that level, like you know, like you. Oh. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just further to that to that question and to, to finish off this section what era would you have liked to have worked in are you happy with the era you're working in now or is there a particular era in modern music that you think you would have been best suited for I t- yeah I would have loved to have worked in the 90s yeah the 90s was all I did <laughs> but I mean but, but I mean like at uh, uh, you did but I guess, I guess in there was so much happening in the 90s that yeah. hadn't happened before the nineties pre that was the end point. Well, the, the CD era was was bloated. It was massive. I mean, you could sell a lot of music in the nineties. But also, you know, just bands like you know, independent yeah. alternative style bands in those days, like Regurgitator and Spider. Are you talking Age. about the MTV era? No, that's the eighties. Well, that's, that's the late eighties into the nineties. Nineties was like yeah. the nineties was. Show. Because I thought that the nineties was sorry. The MTV era it was huge. Was was fantastic. It was huge, yeah. The 80, late 80s. And that's when we had, when I was doing the design work in that period, yeah. the late 80s into the 90s sort of thing. And I felt that that was, that was a was key a, era. It was a lot of fun, yeah. And it paid, it, it was a key era. Like great music came out of the late 80s and, and into the 90s. Yeah, but a lot of artists to work with, you know, like 
I, I reckon it would have been fun to work with people like New Order, mm. yeah. Fun Boy Three, Fun Boy Three. So eighties for you. So you're you're th- you're talking eighties. Yeah, or Donna late, Summer. Yeah, yeah. Late seventies. Late, that's 80s. late. That's late seventies into the eighties. Yep. With Giorgio Moroda. The Giorgio Moroda. No, I wouldn't want to work with Giorgio Moroda, but you know Patrick Cowley definitely. Mm, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, you know people like that. I think whenever you ask that question, people are going to think of when was the point in my life that the peak, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, right. like, and they're going to be like, that's the time that, you know, so for Frank, it probably would have been late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. For me, it would have been the nineties. Cause I just was just, wow. That's when, when you, you think were, of what, yeah, that's when you sort of, that's what I think, I think you like, it's your tastes mature at, in, at a certain point. And for yeah. me, that's when that happened. That was the era. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now it's time to get serious, real serious. Let's talk, and I ask this of all my um, interviewees because we are here in Australia, so let's keep it local. How do you feel we're going as an industry in this country? And that's a pretty general question, but what do you think is the state of the domestic music scene? How do you view it's it? It's divided. From an, from an independent... Indi- it's divided. And, and, what, and There's two that. sides to the Australian music industry, I feel, and Ant, you should correct me when I'm <laughs> going on a tangent here. Mm. But it, I, f- it, I feel there's, 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 there's a bunch of indies like us and stuff that really work hard to get where they, what they want to do and stuff like that, and artists. Mm. And, and as said earlier in the piece, you know, it's really difficult for us to be accepted in what we do sort of thing. But accepted by who? By the industry in general. As a whole. Yeah. And, and who do you view as that, that industry? And I feel that, 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 that that's, that's a bit of a club with the majors and a bunch of old school guys that have been around for a long time, you know, doing things, you know, and stuff like that. I, I think people look down as much as, you know, people say, oh, you know, you guys are doing great. You know, I don't think they genuinely mean that. What do you think, Ant? Um, do you think you're fighting above your weight? And, or you have to fight above your weight in order to, to survive in this business. Is that what you're saying? I think you just have to... You have to have your own sense of your own scale, you know, like what you... And you have to have your own metrics that, that make sense for you. Probably a better mm. word than scale. But because it's kind of like, I think Australia, it's, it's still in a lot of ways very insular. You know, I think like people, like you speak to most labels and they still are chasing that kind of like, how can I get my music on Triple J? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. You know, like, like that's for them. That's like, oh, I got my record. But what do you do then? How do you then take that record now and get it out to people so that it's meaningful? Yeah. Um, And I think that that's just, that's what happens when you're not in a major territory, right? So that's an issue. Secondly, I think that like, you can correct me, Frank, on this one, but it's kind of like there is a lot of corporatization and it's kind of like you see it from promoters, you see it from like labels, like this sort of sense of like, I need to play this game in order to be competitive or for, for, for whatever it is. It's like, you've been through it, Frank, and going corporate kind of fucked your company, you know? Do you know what I mean? Like as much as it's great to do big sales and all that sort of stuff, it's kind of like it's it sucks not, the soul out. It, of it. sucks yeah. the soul yeah. out of it. You the know? other thing is the divide, the Murray River. <laughs> you got 
you got the Sydney people yeah. and you got Melbourne and you would have seen it over the years. You know, we've got, you know, there's the small, the small labels like us that are, you know, out there, you know, we're really smashing it. There's, you know, other indies here like, you know, Mushroom, you know, Remote Control, I'm people like that. I'm surprised the music industry isn't based in Melbourne. That's what I reckon yeah, too. Yeah, it's kind of like there's some reason that it's kind of like, you're absolutely right about that divide. You've got ABC up there. You've got all, all the, the majors, majors a house there. But, DSPs. But when you think about a lot of the soul that we're talking about, it kind of lives and dies down in Melbourne. You know, we've always been the grassroots place. You know, we have. This is where it where it all got invented. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not. You know, like Sydney's such a. Well, the, I don't know. Don't the you the weather's find better. Snobbery? <laughs> well, the Sydney, I find Sydney somewhat fragmented. Uh, not not just geographically, but even culturally. Mm. You know, there's a place for like, and and you kind of tend to stay in your own area. Like if you're from the northern beaches, then you stay on the northern beaches. Yeah. You don't venture anywhere else That's to see right. a band or or go to go to a restaurant. You stay there. Mm. In Melbourne, I think we tend to travel anywhere to see something or to experience something yeah. on a cultural level. Plus, we've had, we've had, we've had better venues here over the years. Yeah, we've always been the capital for, for live music. It's I, kind of a little bit of that UK change. comparison, you know, like like because the weather's shit here, there's more creativity. Like it yeah. inspires, whereas they're kind of like, what are you going to do when, when you can go surfing instead? But in terms of the, the, <laughs> you know? the larger music music business, do you, do you still think there's a divide between Sydney and Melbourne? 100%. 100%, yeah. Right. And yeah. that's on a political level as well, I imagine. Yeah, I, I, 100%. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, when you look at where... When the you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know? Yeah, I think... Uh, oh, look, there's good things that happen here, like the, the Victorian Music Development Office is really good. Um, and there's good initiatives. There's good advocacy programs all over the place, everywhere. I guess, you know, funding would always be better, like a more... But, but that's on us to prove the case you know yeah, we need to we need to go to to government with hey this is the data that you know of what why tourism benefits all these different things benefit from music live music or whatever it is and you know that also needs to stem to empowering people that are going to take risks on artists you know to develop them and that's one know? thing that i find with the grant system i know that we'll, we've now switched over to something else but with the grant system, they're not rewarding the people that are taking the risks. Yeah. You know, like well, there's risks, but then there's also there's got to be some level of commercial viability to it. Yes, because you know, you it's great to give someone that plays a theremin or something half a million dollars because it's just like in the name of sure. they can do cool stuff. But when like this, but when you've got an artist, a little. Let's take for example Vera, and it's blown up all around. That's when you need the funds. That's right. Not 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 not, not when, not when not you know. Bolted, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, that kind of begs the question about. I had in my line of questioning here. I also had the concept of being risk averse. Are we risk averse as a as an industry in this country? Are we signing safe artists? Are we not taking a chance? Are we playing? You know. Well, a, a what's, safe what's game, your thoughts on? Ultimately? On the talent pipeline at the moment, well, I'm, I'm into ask, majors. I, I'm asking you. It's it, it's 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 really poor. Do you think we're we're settling for a level which in turn well, in turns out to be way, to, to I really medi- love mediocrity? Like some of these UK 
A&R guys that we bang our heads against the wall all the time about, mm. I actually like what they do because they're aggressive. They're out there. They're fighting for their artists. They're, they're making, you know, things happen. Whereas, yeah, I, I just don't know what what they're signing and why they're signing. Well, talk- I disagree with that. Are, are those, talking- U- those UK guys are finding records that are blowing up and grabbing them and they don't give a fuck about the artists. They're just, they're right. They, they want a hit. They just want the hits. And that, you know, and that's fair because they're hit Australian, businesses. They're hit well, businesses. Well, you know, what Australian talent is is coming through majors at the moment? I, I, I don't know. Jessica Malboy? I don't know. Look, like, I'm, I'm sure every label's got, it, it's got its, its talent. It's just like, there's an argument right now to suggest that it's probably the most difficult time in in the music industry history, as to as to breaking new artists. I think I've always maintained that it's always been difficult to, to break new artists. It was yeah. tough twenty years ago. It was tough ten years ago. It was tough five five minutes ago. Um, but when I say new artists, I don't mean like so the question giving someone a, a free handout. Also, no, I'm 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 asking. You know, is the level of artistry up to scratch? You know, keeping in mind that we live in a global and you know it's a global world now. It's no longer your competition. No longer in the in the next state or the next next suburb. Well, it's okay, in the, it's in the next you know major city of around the world. It could I, be Los Angeles. It I could think be... you've got to compare apples with apples. So, like English speaking countries mm. around the world. Mm. Now, there's quite a few, but there isn't as many as you think, right? When it comes to English speaking. Pro- like we're producing English speaking music that can potentially work in the UK, can potentially work in the US. It's different if you're in Lithuania or Sweden sure. or whatever it is. So, you know, we do well in some regards. If you think of the Tame Impala's, Troy Sivan, which come yep. through the major system. Yep. Yep. And Tame Impala's come through the major system. Sure. Like, you know, there's still ways for those things to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's quite a lot of talent that's that's able to come. Even like the tones and eyes of the world, you know, they're, they're killing it, yeah, they right? Mm. But, you know, there is a lot of that that I think that, but it's not a factory in the sense of what you would expect us to be churning out. We pop, should be churning pop. out we should, a lot we should more. Be, we should be exporting. Churning out a lot more or a lot more quality? Quality. Quality. A lot more quality that's able to stand up on a stage now, at a Coachella. I don't know. I don't know if that's the record the record labels, the majors out there have lost their experience staff mm. and it's just inexperience now that's working the majority of people that are working in labels mm. that and that's cutting through and showing, and it's well. There's no development at all. D- that's, a- that I agree with. And let me let me suggest this. I mean, maybe small labels and managers are the new A and R. They're the ones who are going to get their find the artists, get their hands dirty, well, develop them to a point where the major might want to come along. Well, that's really funny because I I'm often having this discussion with managers. It's like, well, look, you can go do that deal at Sony or whatever it is, but essentially you're going to be working for a 20% of God knows what the royalty is that you, that comes through after recoupables. So there's a lot of managers that are already working for the majors. They just don't realize it because they have to do that work yeah. to get the project fucking moving along when no one wants to answer the phone. I speak to artists all the time that are in all kinds of deals and it's like suddenly no one's answering the phone because it's just like they've been dropped but they don't know it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they're, but they're not dropped, they're just locked out. Of their own career, um, and I think like the priorities. Look, the music industry has always been this kind of vile place, <laughs> you know, like where where this this happens. So 
I mean, as much as we kind of talk now, we focus on kind of like the the um, equity for artists of different diversity and all this sort of stuff. I think that's amazing stuff, but stop fucking artists, <laughs> no matter what they are, you know, like stop, stop having structures set up that aren't, look, there's some responsibility that people have to take themselves, the artists have to take themselves, but you do that deal, you know what you're going into, yeah. you know, to a degree, but... There has to be some, like, how can we as a, as a nation talk about our music industry if we're not exporting artists out to the world? Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, that's the, uh, like, edit that how you want, right? Sure. But, but, like, you have to be producing the talent and the songs, not just the talent, but the songs have to be coming out of here to work on that global stage. You know, there is the seers of the world that are like, you know, able to, there, there are incredible great, great songwriters. But as, yeah. an, as an outlet, and don't, we're very restricted here in this country. I, I think. You know, radio, as an example, you know, like, you know, radio quotas on, on commercial radio and even on public radio, like, we're never going to get ahead here with development artists if all they're going to do is find these really obscure acts that like, like a TikTok moment or, yeah, exactly. or almost. Yeah. And then commercial radio is only into what's happening in capital London, you know, like what, what, what radio, what songs are, are hitting those charts, you know, and that's what we'll play sort of thing. You yeah. know, yeah. there's no, like, yeah. um, if, if you go back to, let's say, Remember, I know this sounds going to sound stupid, right? Mm. But do you remember that era of Triple M, right? Back in, when did it start? Like oh, 80s. 80s? Yep. And you just were was, on the it radio. Called, it was called Eon FM. Yeah, Eon it. FM era. And there was like Skyhooks, you know, um, Jojo Zip and the Falcons. In excess. You know, in excess. Models. Everything. Every, every bit of content was you know, men at work, you know, all this sort of stuff all came up was just, that was our radio that we used to listen right, to. Yeah. And then in between that, there was a Madonna song or, yeah. or something else, yeah. you know, you yeah. know, Brian Adams or whatever. Yeah. But the, the bulk of that music, people were listening to it, consuming it. That's right. They were buying those records. They were going to, and hey, I don't know if a lot of people know this but back in the day like in excess or the models come to town it wasn't that they were just playing at the central club no they played three shows a night three shows a night mm. you know they're playing at the espy yeah. the, the prince and then Frederick Alley hotel or Kramer's whatever or you know like it's true you know yeah. like there was that much consumption of music you know so i look mm. i don't know you know like at, at the same time frank all those bands you mentioned didn't hit pay dirt till second, third record. They were allowed to develop. I remember a time, yeah. which is well documented, where Colt Chisel, bands like Colt Chisel, In Excess, Hunters and Collectors, were not getting radio. Yeah. And it yeah. took three records before they were taken really seriously, particularly Hunters, for example, mm -hmm. who ended up becoming one of the staple acts of this country. So nothing's changed in terms of like radio, you know, taking a chance from, from record one. I there think still needs to be... A now, I'm not talking about... The style of those acts and that era. Yeah, right. I'm talking about us being in that era, the, the in industry, that moment in the time. The industry getting behind those yeah, artists. And the artists, I, yeah, and the industry getting go, behind it. I go, kind of go in a different direction on this a little bit as well. Like, I think that there's so much 
focus put on youth in a lot of ways, right? Like in the industry sense, everyone wants to get youth into the industry. Now, there's youth that's in the industry that look at someone like me and they go, you're in your mid-40s, you're irrelevant. I got nothing to learn from you. Yeah. I, I think that you're probably going to find this through a lot of people you have on your podcast. The knowledge, do you remember, like, I remember once we had lunch with Seymour Stein. Unbelievable. Unfucking believable. Yeah. Like, you know, that those, those the, the knowledge you can learn from the older generation, I mean, it's just a shame he can't be on your podcast. Yeah. But the, the knowledge that's out there in this country, right, of people that have done it, they've done it in so many different ways that are now being kind of pushed to the side because the priorities have changed. If the priorities is like, well, we've got to get TikTok hits mm. and we've got, we'll, we've got to pick up those songs off TikTok mm. and we've got to get people in that understand that culture or whatever, that's great. But there's no craft in it. There's no, there's the, if you push out people that knew how to develop an act and, and don't give them the opportunity or give the younger people those opportunities to develop those, those careers, mm. to develop global plans, then where are they gonna where are they gonna learn from? Yeah. You know, I had a friend recently that went for a job at Sony um, in marketing, who's an incredible manager, who was told this is not right for you because you've got too much international experience. Yeah, like that's that insane. That doesn't surprise me. That's insane to me. You so know, are you suggesting that the industry tends to be a bit ageist? I not just ageist. I think I, I definitely think there is that right because. Do you think that the industry is gonna just become an outpost? In terms of like an outpost for international act, yeah, for international no, no, for international uh, products here in Australia, like they already it, has. It has been for years. It's been done yeah. already. Yeah, I mean, there's that, but I mean, we can't develop international artists that can unless we have the talent behind the curtains to develop them. I think we that's have to, something. To be fair to say that we have got a lot of talent in this country. It's how that talent is being harvested. Correct. You know, it, before, yeah, before it gets to the consumer, before it gets to that's right. the, the DSP or the radio station, how much work's gone into that artist to develop it and make sure that it's ready to be totally. to people, ready to be put on stage, ready to be... There's so many different uh, variables and factors. Who's gonna, who would give Tame Impala their go now based on their first Not EP? Not a chance in hell. Based on their first EP. Not a chance in you hell. Know? Powderfinger. That's, that's what I'm saying. You know? like, like none of these, these acts example. would get through the gauntlet no, because it would be you're not doing the numbers the data's not yeah. there your second this... singles are stiff we don't know about the third single we don't totally. know about the budget for a third single completely you know? I, I hear that a lot so, I hear that every day and I think like a lot of indies I get it you know like when you're doing a lot of this stuff and you don't have that we don't have to work on that, you know, famous 90-10 sort of split where it's like one one out of 10 needs to work and it's happy days, put your feet up, you've had a hit. Which is what happens with a lot of the majors. That's the majors, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. That is the model. But is that sustainable for them? Well, it, it is, is. When, you've got, when you've got... At uh, scale, when you've got, when you've got an Ed Sheeran. When you've got or... Taylor Swift and, and, and Drake and The weekend on one, one roster, Yeah, that's sustainable. That's, right? that's enough, you know. Can the 5% take care of the 95% that don't work. That's right. You know, and, so. and, you know, as a manager, look... When you're working and the with the same thing with the when, roster. When you're working with a roster of like there's artists that you will have that it is welfare. Yeah. You know, you might have one actor that's doing great that pays for you to spend your time. Absolutely. But you yeah. need to develop most rosters, that. Most rosters have that. That's you know, right. Yeah. And you've got to develop those artists though. Like I think, you know, we can't just churn and burn talent because there's okay, plenty of it out there. You know what? Let's go the other way. It's What's spicy wrong? now? Yeah, go What's wrong with telling an artist that they're just no good? 
nothing's wrong with that. There's you know, there should why, be why is should it be more thrown upon? No one's saying... Like, no one ever just... You know, like, there's nothing wrong and people have got to be able to accept it that maybe you're just not good enough. Yeah, that happens quite a bit. I mean, what, what me and Jane Gazzo on this very podcast were discussing only a few weeks back was the notion that we accept what's... It's nearly it's it's good it's just good enough it's mm. fine oh, she'll it's do fine yeah. in Australian music yeah that'll that, do do you find that that's in Australian music yeah a lot? I do I do I, I I find that we accept not so much a level of like mediocrity mediocrity does does become a result of it but it's that attitude of uh, she'll be right mate that'll do yeah, I it's good enough it's, yeah it's near enough honestly near enough is good enough and I think we suffer from that as as a as an industry and and as a nation sometimes. No, but I know that if we put our minds to things, our movies are good enough, our acts are good enough. We just need to have people who can actually help develop and create, you know, proper careers. But if you don't have an outlet for those people also, yeah. whether it's playing live or radio or yeah. or television or medium, yeah. then we're not creating anyone. Th- think back to... So it's a overall thing. Think, yeah. think back, guys, to the Hot 100 15 years ago. Mm. The talent was, oh, was crazy. palpable. Yeah. You know, there were so many great songs. There was great artists. You, you, you didn't need to question this. We wouldn't have even had... Now, a Hot 100, I couldn't tell you half of... I couldn't remember to sing you the, the hook. Yeah, but you're, you're, from, from, you're, we're probably from a different era, no, right? No, it's no, it's not that. No? I'm talking as a music man, right? right? As, as a song person. As a song person, I could not say, wow, what a great hook. Yeah. Now I know the person voting for that is voting for it because they've heard it enough on Triple J. But then right? I guess I was wondering, only reflects the taste of the people listen to that station, to the station. Well, it's a public, really. it's a public station. Yeah, but I'm there's no accountables there. Yeah, there's no accountability. There's no accountability. Yeah. If that was a, if that was a commercial station, people were leaving it in droves, mm. then they would change their music policy. Yeah. So I think like there's. there's Do you think that? I'm not having a go. No, at, no, no. I'm not, no let's get, hold, let's hold get into this. One sec. I'm having a go at the actual people, the music department of Triple J. I know that there is a government body that has so much oversight on it, right? And it's kind of like they're there to just do a service. But there's nothing really there which is about we're going to push this forward. We are going to actually develop talent now to be part of that story. And you see a lot of that because you see a lot of acts that pop up on there that disappear. Right. Or you go and look at the streams and the streams are like not there at all. So it's kind of like, well, that tells you something about the market, yeah. right? And I think like we have to listen to the market a little bit. We have, a little bit. Okay. Yeah, a lot. Well, the market <laughs> will be heard. That's right. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But like, like as creatives, we have to forge forward with what we want to do. The market's going to be the market that's going to dictate. The market, Frank, is the people that are telling people this isn't good enough. That's right. Right? The yeah. market is the one that's there to do it. Yeah. And I think that you're, you're both right. There is a sense of this will do because of X, Y, and Z. That's right. That it's not, now let's focus on the craft and develop something that we can export, yeah. you know? The export is a very, very big part of what we should be focusing on. Completely. Export, export, export. Because you know, our Australian artists, have, you know, they have a ceiling. I, I mean, I'm gonna, I mean, seriously, they have a ceiling. Outside of, I'm trying to think of like an indigenous artist that's been exported successfully. I mean, there's incredible Gurumul, Gurumul, Gurumul. But like, but out, Yothi Yindi. But but how are the uh, the current generation of indigenous artists 
not prepared for export. That I think that's over the next two or three years. I think that's going to change. That'll change. Yes, sure, I'm talking right change. now. Yeah, I'm talking. We're at right now. Again, that indigenous artist. Oh, I can't like, see like, like, like any other artist need artist development. That's what I'm saying yeah. to you. Yeah, their but, records need to be. So that's what I'm saying to you. There is there is excitement for a new generation of artists. Mm. Get behind. Like it. It's not going to just be because we say it has to happen. Mm. You have to literally. You have to roll with the punches when an artist doesn't do commercially what they wanted to do the first time out of the gate. But if the songs are there, you know, if the talent is there yeah. and the support is there, then at least you've got a better shot. But, and that comes yeah. back to locally nurturing that as well, or like supporting that as well. Makes perfect sense. So let's talk, we, we keep talking about international and you guys are, are having some success, considerable success internationally now with, uh, with Shouse in particular. Is there a blueprint for international success as far as you're concerned? Are there, are there kind of like particular categories or boxes which you must tick in order to have some kind of international success? You have to. Or I is think, it always... Oh, or I think it has to. Uh, the blueprint is there. What's the, the blueprint for, for what I like? can't... Well, the, well it, it's... <laughs> you, you can touch on it. We don't blueprint, have to like the, the bones of it, is that you need to have people on the ground in some capacity internationally to fight for a record amongst all the noise. And so that means you need to have some sense of marketing for the West and for Europe, you know? So you need to, like, let's not even fucking think about China and Asia. Like, let's like, forget about it. It's a pipe dream, you know, in a lot of ways, right? But you need to be considering markets where something has the ability. Now we work in electronic like dance music. It's it's borderless. You know, like a a, da a dance yeah. record can go off anyway. in in Brazil, it can go off in India. Like there's not many records that can go off in India, right? So that can, that can happen, but it can also go off in Europe, Sweden, all the rest of it. Whereas I think there's a lot of um there's a lot of genres that struggle to get out to different of places, course. right? So it depends what you're working on. Now, for us, if you're gonna make dance records, you gotta make sure that they're connecting on dance floors wherever it is. Yeah, so if we're talking there. blueprint, that means you gotta get them into DJ's hands. Right. You gotta get the groundswell to happen there. Now they're they real that's, that's 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 where that it's product. that's where it's important, you know. Um, as far as a blueprint goes, you have to keep going. You can't like pull the gate shut because the data isn't right that might not even apply to you if something has a vibe on dance floors you got to keep going with it yeah, and it, take, it may take time to infiltrate it's going to take time to to work its way through yeah. you know with with love tonight that record started in eastern europe yeah. you know in like uh lithuania those sort of like estonia sure. those places we had a dj like we had Big, uh, big DJ supporting the record to get it to, onto those things. From there, it jumped across to like Burning Man, right? right? It, caught, it caught fire. It caught. Well, we Pardon saw we saw that there was two markets, unrelated markets that were getting around this. Now those DJs that were like performing for those like you know Mayan ketamine warriors at Burning Man, they are the same guys that are hopping on a plane and then flying back to play in Croatian beaches right. and the beaches of France and the beaches of like, you know, Greece and Ibiza and all this. Stuff. That's virality right there mm. spreading because their record bag is taking the record around with them to different dance floors. Now, 
you got to ner- you've got to support that. You've got to feed it. You've got to like say, what can I do more with it? You can't just go, well, that was great. I did a DJ service. How did it go? Mm, yep, box ticked. Uh, didn't take off. Next. Yeah. It's like, and you see a lot but of you, this. But you had people on the ground pushing that, pushing that record, right? Like we people. kept hiring. Like some, the service would finish, we would just rehire someone else. If it was like, there's no more work to do here. It's like, no, there's not. There's work to do here because we see it's moving along. Mm. Now, as Frank said, you can't be delusional. Like if something's just not happening, it doesn't matter how much you wish it to, but there's different ways to do it. And the other thing We knew that we could create remixes. When I signed Love Tonight, it's because the hook could be remixed a thousand different ways. So that makes sense in a dance music like thinking, right? So we just kept feeding remixes into it. Can every song, can that happen for every song? I don't think so. And, And the thing is with services, they get fatigued. Totally. So you need to be on the ball to move to the next service. Yeah, right. Because if you're doing DJ services in Germany or or France or, you know, Eastern mm. Europe and they're going, oh, I can't get any more about this. There's another guy there that's hungry. That's wanting to do it. That's wa- wanting to do it or PR or radio or right. something. Mm. So, so what I'm hearing for you guys in terms of international blueprint, one is you need to keep going. You need to have the, 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 the vision and the foresight to not give up on the record. The sta- Correct. It's stamina. Right? It's One, stamina. And secondly, building yeah. teams around your records in each territory. That's what I'm hearing, right? Yes. And three, your DJs are your influencers. Yeah. Influences. Well, I think you have to look outside of the of the model of what is the, the, the like, this is the only way we can break a record. If you're speaking to someone in a major now, like, okay, I did a, we did a panel at, at ADE in mm-hmm. Amsterdam, Amsterdam mu- dance music event, right? And it was really funny. I was on the street that morning and I saw one of these guys that was in on Love Tonight who had been one of the same people that threw me out of an office years ago, won the same record. And he said, you know, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing this panel about how to get a billion streams without without a major, right? And he said, oh, is that sponsored by TikTok? And I said, no, that's your panel. Yeah, that's right. On how to make a billion streams as a major, right? right? right. So it's kind of like if, if your only um, remit is go pick up the record that's already working, yeah, if, we're if, fucked, yeah, right. like as an industry, mm. because stuff will pop up for inane reasons and disappear again and there's no, there's no, there's gonna be no classic song. What will be, what will be, what will be the song that I talk about as a classic with my kids? Crazy Frog. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, you know right what? now, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like the new, the newest, uh, the newest reiteration of a classic song that came out and was sampled for mm. a minute or redone, mm. like at you know one sixty sure. BPM, like whatever it is. I think we have to be putting energy into. Um, into just not into having the stamina to keep going, right? So there's a bit of faith in yourself. Absolutely. There's also a bit of like soul searching, not to be too delusional about it, <laughs> right? But you'll know when you go broke, you know, like that you can't keep going on something. I think that that's part of it. And then yeah, pick your team, um, pick your team wisely. Is it really? But you don't. You don't have to also believe in you. But you don't have to also do you everywhere at once. You have to be able to. And you that's have to true. Have, you have to have some sort of synergy. With the artist that it, it's you who, know who the, the, the label you the guys? label and the right. artist yeah, have to be able the teams need because to align. If the artist is doesn't want to do things, if it doesn't yeah. want to do this, doesn't want to do that. I, yeah, if you're an I, artist, I, I agree with that. Because yeah. you need to make sure that your expectation and the artist's expectations are aligned. Otherwise, why do, why are you doing this? Totally. A lot of people don't understand that 
like Anne said, there was a hundred people working on that project, which is crazy. You know, like around the world, and we had to coordinate every single one of like them, like herding cats at the end. You know, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, yeah. I mean, and we had artists that wanted to move. At they, the time, they, you know? we, we were lucky that the guys have the ambition like you have to have that ambition that x factor mm. to want it you really have to if you're an artist in 2023 and you're like i don't want to do tiktoks it's like you don't want this yeah that's right like that's just the reality mate do something different because you clearly don't want it yeah. because i you would know those those artists oh, that, yeah. that 20 years ago would and i'd hate to sort of harp on about the past but just breaking of us like an artist that, you know, used to go, I got a single, I'm going to go on all the late night shows, I'm going to do heaps of press, I'm going to be gonna, bandied around I'm town. Gonna, I'm going to play the Aries. I'm going to play whatever, I'm yeah. going to do whatever I have to do. to pro Like, look at Ed Sheeran. The guy will smile and just grit and bear and he will be at every single event, like whatever it is. Chris Martin, Coldplay. Coldplay. Well, that, well, that goes back to what Frank was saying earlier about work ethic. You know, if you haven't got a work ethic in this business and a thick skin, then you're, you're in deep shit. You're, you're behind the eight ball. So I think, I think that's, that's um, incumbent on our industry yeah. to not coddle artists yeah. as well. If you're an artist <laughs> and you're thinking you're Calvin Harris and you've got nothing going for yourself, but you have that attitude, man, just become a hairdresser. Yeah. <laughs> Don't waste your time. <laughs> Don't waste your time. That's next week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, let, me, let me ask you this then. You know, we, we are talking about international and I think this ties in with it. Mm. What more can the government, the federal government and the state governments do for us as an industry that they're not, they're not doing already? Uh, well, I'll tell you what I strongly believe. They should just shut down all the grant systems. I don't know about that. Look, I, look, no, come on. Like, it's all on. bullshit. Why is like, that? I, I feel that there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of leakage out there. There's a, uh, you know... What do you mean by leakage? Like... I think they should look maybe at it and, and, and assign it where... It, like, look, there was a recent uh, initiative to uh to fund managers to go to to conference that's fucking awesome mm. because that, that was great that's great money spent and i know that's like i think that was one of millie's initiatives yeah. but that's awesome you know yeah. like we need more of these but some of there's these really smart systems. people and there's and there's passionate people there is people in government that give a shit you know there i is. think that they we need to just get it off the tick box of like funding in arts get it more to it's got to be a separation between arts and that, that's coming, you know. That that's like we're, I feel we're on the that, dawn that, of that you know this whole thing where you you go for a music grant, but it's you know the committee's made up of arts people who don't understand it or whatever, and they're going for the most weirdest, obscure, Some esoteric shit. Uh, that, yeah. that, that's that's completely fine in its own place. Go get an arts grant to do that. That that will always exist. But I think there has to be a, a sense of. Um, for this to bring, to have value, mm. you know, in the holistic sense across the whole economy, right? You know, we we can have artists that can sell out stadiums. You see that with like a Tame Impala. Yeah, you absolutely. see, you see, you, these these guys could sell, you know, do the whole week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like they could do that. So, but to get to that, you've got to invest into them, right? And you need to invest into the yeah, teams then, around them. I don't think okay? they're looking at and the that, whole the whole ecosystem of of funding because you know i'm funding an artist i'm funding let's say you know the government you you're an artist you get a grant you get a grant to you know to produce your record and all this sort of stuff there's other things around it that just aren't connecting like 
venues, you know, like what's happening with venues? Like why are venues disappearing? You know, why are people not interested in opening venues anymore? I don't think there's been a new venue built in Melbourne. For quite some time, yeah. That's of uh, yeah. a large capacity for 25, 30 years. Yeah, there is talk of one being built next door to the uh, the Palais Theatre, and that's in Kilda Triangle, it's called. Yeah, but mm. they've been talking about that talking for about 20 triangle, years. Then, but that could be a while off. You know, and the whole thing is we need five, you know, uh, Fortitude Valley halls here in Melbourne. And where would you put them? Like all over the all over the city, the the you know we should have. You could have something in Northcote because you, you got to remember because yeah. the old days the, losing the metro in 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 Burke Street yeah. was a big, you know. That was a big hit. A big hit. Yeah. Losing the palace in St Kilda was a, was a big hit. Too. Was a big hit. Now yeah. you think of those how big those those venues were, and for independent promoters. They were great because they were affordable venues that you could use and do large-scale concerts, which were profitable. And are we tying back this to? Are we tying this back to government? Yes, because where, the government. Where, where's a five-thousand-person venue in Melbourne? The only, uh, well, the only one close to five thousand, I guess, is Festival Hall. Festival Hall. Hall yeah. Is, right? mm. Okay. So, okay, you got one venue. You got one. Yeah, and the rest of the stuff is government-driven. You know, Market Court mm. Arena. You know, all these government places you know the forum you know or forums independently owned, i suppose but um if you go back 20 you know 30 years how many thousand plus venues was there in melbourne there was one in every suburb absolutely yeah oh yeah there was you know like and then the pokies took over for <laughs> that's exactly right so, so maybe maybe what we're saying is that the money can everything be has to link up this link, you, yeah. you got to fund acts but you've also got to be give them. You've got to build an infrastructure and uh, an ecosystem around them. Is what you're. That's saying. exactly yeah, right. I, I and that. and to that to work, you need the police to get involved because you know you don't want police shutting down festivals and 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 music venues all yep. the time and harassing them and all that. So you, it's a complex piece. It is. Do you think um, the uh, the new or the advent of Music Australia, which Millie Milgate is uh, is is running, you think? I'm having spoken to Millie's part of this podcast series. I sense that there's going to be a lot more change in terms of government money or government spending in our particular area, which is being music and exporting. Do you think that that government body is going to make a change? I think they, they're going to have to because has to, yeah. everything's getting scrutinised in government at the moment. Mm. You know, like you're seeing like big scale projects that are being getting shut down. You know, train. You know train, you know, project, rail projects, you know, freeways, you know, all this sort of stuff is getting shut down. Well, they're going to have to scrutinise this too. Yeah. I understand what you're saying there. You know, and, you know, the, it, yeah, and it can't be a handout for some and you've got some really talented kids out there who just won't even get a look in on a grant. Yeah, that's, I mean, the criteria for grants constantly changes. You know, I, I've noticed that over the last few years. It's, it's, it's tough to get a grant. It's not easy. You know, and it's not designed to be easy either. I think, I think, I <laughs> yeah. think uh, people that are going for this stuff, you're right. The scrutiny needs to be there because it's kind of like, what are you going to do with this? Yeah, what are the KPIs? Do you actually have a sense of what, of a career? What does that look like? If your career, if you want to do it, because it's kind of like I enjoy doing it, and it's kind of like a hobby in a sense, but like I need to do it because I want to do it. Mm. Now that's great, but 
there's other avenues for you, mm. you know? So yeah. I think I think when we're talking to actually funding people to do things, it's because they're able to back it up in some way or the potential is there in a lot of ways. And that needs to be almost like independently reviewed. It yeah. needs to be like, okay, cool. This person has a lot of potential because of what we're seeing already. Sure. There's this is a this is a good bet, you know. I think you got to take a but risk on the on other things. side. Artists have got to learn that it's hard work, and yeah. they the get they get what they put in. Yeah. So it's not about the handouts and all the free grants that they can get, and they can sit back and relax, right? Oh, look, we work above a pub. And we know when grant money's come in. <laughs> if, you, if you go hang outside the Evelyn, <laughs> on most, you know, we know when some of the grant, because we see the characters. And we're like, we know, and then we can look and we can see actually. And you like, know, okay. all, this, all this thing that, you know, everyone's entitled to, you know, this whole schmozzle about, um, you know, government paying um, musicians to stay home and, and, you know, improve their career, you know, like, go and get a job. <laughs> Make music your job. Is that what you're saying? That's bro? exactly right. <laughs> Do <laughs> that. You know what? Do that TikTok post that everyone's look, look, selling. I think, I think to kind of like relate it back to us, right? If you're a DJ and you want to get booked on a show, you want to book, get booked at a club and you don't have 10 friends to invite as a DJ and you're just starting out, well... What have you got of value that the promoter is going to want to bet on you? Yeah, right. So there has to be some. Go out there and find an audience. There has to be some like responsibility. Of course, some, not all. No, there has to be a lot of responsibility. Let's let's start with some. Yeah. Because I have artists that tell me, you know, that not artists that I work with, but just like artists that I talk to, and they're like, you know, that I see online, and they're like. Why should I have to do a TikTok? Yeah, or yeah, or, a post, should, or a post in or general. A, why should I have to? As well, what you're saying to me is kind of like you don't want it. You don't actually see the value in building an audience. Yeah, and you can have all the talent in the world, but you know, if there's like, only there to catch your music when you when you drop something. You're not competing. Any, you're not competing anymore you know with there's other musicians. Nothing wrong with staying in your your man cave or your or your bedroom or whatever and you know, playing with your modular synthesis sizer and in your head you're just like you're playing at Coachella. That's cool. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but you know, like if you want to go out there and actually do it, fucking take the advice, do it right, work hard, you know? No one's gonna give you a free ride. I well, I'm not. We'll leave it on that note. Otherwise, we'll go for another two hours. Guys, thanks so much for your time. It's going to be fun editing this thing. Oh. <laughs> Wait till you hear the end product. I'll make us sound intelligent. Trust me. <laughs> Please. Thanks very much for coming in. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to Vinyl Tap, Inside the Music Industry, the podcast with Michael Parisi. If you enjoyed that episode, please go to my website for more information about any of my guests. www.vinyltappodcast.com All one word, of course. And we'll see you on next week's instalment.